Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way they'd argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Righto. Well, last weekend over the Easter break, we were really blessed to have the Jesus King of Kings evangelism team out from Gympie. It was really good to be out there in the amphitheatre on the riverbank, out in the open, sharing the gospel with anyone who came along. Just the simple basic gospel. No, no deep theology, just the basics. And on Easter Sunday morning again, it was great to get together with the other churches of town for, the, for a combined Easter Sunday morning service in the same spot. Um, and once again, no big deep theology, just the basics of the gospel. Now, when it comes to what we do in our worship services, all sorts of churches have all sorts of different styles and all sorts of different focuses. But something that every church needs to consider, doesn't matter what sort of church it is, something that every church needs to consider is who should we be gearing our messages towards? Right? So when the preacher prepares a message, let's put it in my boat, when I'm preparing a message, should I be preparing a message for non-believers? Should it be more of an evangelical message, something that's designed to present Jesus to somebody who doesn't know him? Or should I be preparing a message for people who do know Jesus? Should it be more of a teaching message that is designed to take current disciples of Jesus from where they are and to take them deeper into the knowledge of Christ and, and to give training on how to live as disciples of Jesus and how to share our faith with others, um, which should it be? And for some churches, this becomes a pretty big discussion. Should their messages be more for people who are seeking or should it be more for disciples of Jesus? Well, I believe there actually needs to be both. Um, and that's what Jesus did. Sometimes he was teaching to the crowds, um, and amongst the crowds, yep, a few of them might have been his followers. Some of them, not so much. And there was plenty of people there as well who were quite antagonistic against him. But then there are other times when Jesus would take his closest disciples aside and he'd give them some more in-depth teaching. And that's what we're... That's what happened in today's Bible reading. Jesus took his disciples away from the crowds and he shared with them stuff that wasn't at all geared for the crowds, but it was stuff that the disciples needed to know. But there lay a bit of a problem here because the disciples didn't understand it. Now, now that's not the problem, by the way. 
The problem wasn't that they didn't understand it. They often didn't understand stuff. But we're told that often Jesus would then explain it to them later, what it meant. The problem was that even though they didn't understand it, they didn't want to admit that they didn't understand it. And so they, they pretended that they did. And they stayed in the dark. Now, I hope if you ever read anything in the Bible and you don't get it, ask someone. Ask someone what it means. Ask me what it means if you want. And I also hope that, um, that if I share something in my message that you don't understand, please ask the question. Uh, not every Sunday, but most Sundays we have opportunity for people to ask questions. Ask the question. Because um, it's pro most probably not only you that doesn't get it. Um, sometimes... I might have things really clear in my head, but somewhere between my head and my mouth, it all gets jumbled up a bit and it's not quite so clear when it comes out. And I know there's been times in the past where somebody's asked a question, I go, and, and I answer the question, um, but in my head, I sort of thought, I thought I explained that pretty clearly in the message. But then I get home and Robin says, oh, I'm glad that person asked that question because I had exactly the same question. And... Um, and it was good that you were able to answer it again because now I understand it. So if you ever have a question, don't just ask it for, you, for the sake of yourself. Ask it for somebody else. Because, you know, the, the only question that's too silly to answer is the one that isn't asked. All right? So ask the question. And also to those who, who listen to this, to the recording of this, or who watch the videos on this, um, if you have questions as well... You guys can contact me. Um, it, it's not like I'm uncontactable. You, you'll find us at www.bushdisciples.church and you'll find our contact details there. Just give me a phone call or email me. Um, it's not like we're a mega church where the pastor doesn't actually talk to people. We've got plenty of time to, to answer questions. Contact me and I, I will re answer. Anyway... Jesus is teaching his disciples about something that's pretty critical. He's teaching them about his death and his resurrection. And they didn't get it. And they were afraid to admit that they didn't get it. And so they didn't ask. That meant they stayed in the dark. By the way, you'll probably notice that in today's Bible reading, the disciples actually, that they don't come out of it looking very good at all. In, and, and even in the next section, they don't come out of it looking very good either. You see, these 12 apostles, yeah, they did eventually become great men of God once they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But when they first began to follow Jesus, they, they were very ordinary sorts of blokes. They, had, they were very human in all of their faults and all of their failures and all of their sins. And... This fact gives me a lot of hope because I'm very human and I'm very aware of my faults and my failures and my sins and, and I'm very aware of how I let Jesus down. Over and over and over again, I let Jesus down. But I hold on to the hope that if God could transform those disciples of Jesus... Well, I've got the hope that it'll transform this disciple of Jesus too. And for you, there'll probably be times when you feel that you are the worst Christian who ever lived. Well, 
I don't think you are, because I think I might win that prize. But I reckon if we were to meet those original 12 disciples today, they'd probably say to us, no, we were much worse than you. But it wasn't always like that. They started out, um, well, pretty full of themselves. Like, they were... They thought that they were pretty hot stuff. And as they walked on the track to Capernaum, that's what they were talking about it. When they arrived to where they're going, Jesus said to them, so what were you lot discussing along the way? But they wouldn't give him an answer. They were ashamed to because they'd been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Now, I can't even imagine this unfolding I mean, I read a lot of stuff in the scriptures and, and I, can, I can just imagine how it would have gone, you know, like we're given the bare basics, but you can sort of fill in the gaps. But I'm stuck with this. How, how does somebody even skite about being the best disciples? Well, I'm a better disciple than what you are. No, you're not. I'm a better disciple than you are. Yeah, but I'm so much more humble. Yeah, I'm a lot more humble than you are. How, how, do you, how does it even work? How do you boast about being the greatest disciple? I just can't imagine it. And I reckon the reason that I find it so hard to imagine is probably, probably because I know very well how Jesus answered them and what Jesus expects of us. Even though they didn't tell Jesus what they'd been talking about, he knew it. By the way, you know you can't hide anything from Jesus, hey? You can hide things from your husband. You can hide things from your wife. You can hide things from your friends. You can hide things from your boss. You can't hide things from Jesus. He sat down and he called the 12 and he said, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Jesus has this amazing ability to just turn everything upside down, turn everything onto its head. And can you imagine how that statement would have stung? Right? These disciples have just been involved in this self-promotion, self-glorification, big noting themselves, and Jesus says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Now, I did say I have great difficulty imagining what the disciples must have been saying, but what I don't have any trouble at all remembering is the sorts of things that I've said and the sorts of things that I've done that have actually been about self-promotion, big-noting myself in, in various ways. I don't have any trouble at all remembering stuff that I would have said that would have been the spark for Jesus to make that statement to me. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and the servant of all. You see, Jesus, he, he doesn't only cut the great and the powerful and the mighty down to size. He does something else, and, and this is very important. He lifts the lowly up. The truth here is spiritual greatness begins with humble service. And it doesn't only begin with humble service, it continues 
with humble service. Some so-called great men of God almost expect to be treated like royalty and they're full of their self-importance. It can happen in other cultures. It can happen in our culture. It, it really struck me when we visited Tonga and we actually stayed at a theological college. And I learned while I was over there, I, I, some of these fellows, they, they just seemed so unservant-like and unchrist-like and they're training to be the ministers. But while I was there, over there, I discovered that I, I can never remember whether the minister of the village is just above the chief of the village or just below the chief of the village, right? It is a very high status thing. And um, a lot of people there were training for the ministry because it was a means of status. It was a means of, of earning enough to be well-fed. Um, it, was, it was a career, very different here. Um, But it's not only in those cultures, it's people in our culture as well, the, where some so-called men of God are, are almost treated like royalty. But you know what? In Jesus' eyes, the one who is greatest is the most humble of servants. In Jesus' eyes, one of the greatest ministries that Robin and I are involved in, um, I call it flush ministries, Robin calls it the royal flush. Now, some of you mightn't know this, uh, but some days when we arrive here at the hall, the first thing we have to do is get rid of some surprises that's been left behind in the toilets. Um, there have been a couple of times when those surprises have been on the floor. And the last thing that we do before we leave is we once again check every toilet and we flush every one of them to make sure that we're leaving this place a, a better place than, than when we came. Now let me tell you, there's, there's not a lot glamorous about cleaning faeces up off the floor or walking into the toilets where there's been number two stewing for a number of days um, and then having to clean skid marks off toilets and all that sort of stuff. Um, But you know what? In Jesus' eyes, that is some of the most spiritual work that Robin and I are involved in. Being servants. And each of us are servants in various ways. Who are the truly great men and women of God? We might tend to think of the preacher or the evangelist or the prophet. We might tend to think of the missionary or the elder or the bishop or the deacon. We might think of the worship leader or the Christian music artist or the pastor of a megachurch or an international Christian speaker. And we might feel that these ones are the ones who are spiritually great. These are the great men and women of God. But not necessarily so. The person who serves humbly is the greatest. And it's not only about being a servant. It's about welcoming the lowly. Have you ever noticed the way preachers often love to name drop? Um, you hear somebody and they, they say, oh, I was, when I, they tell a story involving some kind of famous person that they know. 
Um, I've noticed that the glamour ministry in Australia at the moment seems to be sports chaplaincy, because in Australia we love sports, especially on a national level, and most of the big teams now have sports chaplains, and sp pastors strive to get these plum positions where they can hobnob it with the sports celebrities. And it can be seen by some as quite a level of status for their pastor to be a chaplain to the, to the famous. And sports chaplains themselves are often highly sought after as speakers at Christian events. Why? Because we love, we love it that they're pastors to, cele to celebrities and, and we can hear the stories about these celebrity sportsmen and women that they minister to. On another note, I know a man who has an international ministry and this chap loves to name drop world leaders. And in the photos of his overseas trip, usually prominent among them will be a photo or two of him beside a world leader and the, and the world leader closely listening to what he has to say. A, a very nicely set up photo. Um, now that's a couple of examples, but, but we don't have to look away to see it. Um, we can see it right here at home all the time. We see this sort of attitude in our local churches all the time. If a prominent business person or a wealthy person in the community or some kind of celebrity begins coming along to church, wow, isn't this amazing? We've got this person coming to church, but the nobodies, well, they don't attract any great comment at all. I'm reminded of what James says in his letter. When James wrote that letter in James chapter 2, he said, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and says, Oh, you sit in this good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you've dishonoured the poor man. You see, the human nature, that fleshly part of us, craves significance. Uh, we see it in the rise of ADD today, attention deficit disorder. Some people just always seeking attention. They've, they've got to have something that makes them significant. So the human nature craves significance but it also gives honour to people of influence. But Jesus took the example of a tiny, insignificant child. No one important. Nobody of any authority. Nobody who, somebody who couldn't give anything. They had nothing at all to offer. And Jesus said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. 
And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now, was he just talking about kids? No, he wasn't just talking about kids. He's using the child as an example of somebody who has nothing to give. Somebody who's totally insignificant in their culture. And there are preachers around today who like to preach a message about how to become a person of influence. And, and that sort of message just plays right along with what the flesh craves. Because the flesh wants to be important. The flesh wants to be influential. The flesh, well, we, we, we want to know people who are important. But more than that, we want to be known by people who are important. How about we stop looking for significance in the way the world looks for it? And how about we start seeing significance in the way that Jesus sees it? If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Now, some of us might have mastered the being last of all part, but haven't mastered the being a servant of all part. You see, some of us, we like to see ourselves as the downtrodden. We like to see ourselves as the underclass. And some of us actually use this as a reason to resent those who are above us. We see it as, oh, I'm a nobody, and we start resenting those who we see as somebodies. Some of us have got that part down, Pat, but we've got it wrong. We don't only have to be last of all, we have to be servants of all. We don't resent that people are above us. We take the heart of a servant and we serve all people. We serve those who are even below us as well as serving those who are above us in the eyes of the world. How about we be that sort of church? How about when you describe Bush Disciples to somebody, how about you tell them we're a church full of nobodies? And that's okay because I fit right on in. How about you tell them that there's no one here that the world would consider as great? Tell them your preacher is just a simple country preacher. Tell them that he doesn't have much charisma about him. He actually has to write his messages down word for word when all the best pastors, they, they just know it and they can just speak it. Tell them the music's pretty basic, especially when the good pianists go away and you're just left with your rundown pastor with his very rudimentary guitar skills who forgets to turn on his page turner at the beginning. You feel free to tell them that. Feel free to tell them that the popular people, the important people, the wealthy people, well, they go to all the other churches. Tell them we're a bunch of nobodies. And that our only claim to fame is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are nobodies. 
And yet the Lord Jesus Christ lifts us up and exalts us. But let's be more than lowly. Let's be servants. Let's be people who serve. Jesus said, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Let's serve the most lowly. Let's welcome the most insignificant. Let's seek those who have nothing to offer. And let's welcome them. We do this because when we do this, we welcome Christ. Let's be that church. You know, just this week, um, a lady from another town rang me out of the blue. And um, she had a friend here, an elderly friend that she hadn't been able to contact for a fair while. And she just wanted to know that this elderly friend was, well, whether she should keep writing her letters or not because didn't know whether she might have died. And asked, she gave me the address and asked if I could go and visit her. And I just turned up and this lady just so wanted to talk. She just so wanted the company. And that got me thinking, how many people are like that in our community that just need someone to go and visit them? I didn't know this lady from Bar of Soap. She didn't know me. But she was just needing someone to love her. What if we were to become that sort of church that would just go and visit people? Just knock on a door and be a friend for those who have no friends. You see, Jesus said something important there. When he, when he had that little child, he said, anyone who welcomes this little child in my name. All right? That's the important thing. What we do, we do in the name of Jesus. We go and visit in the name of Jesus. We serve in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, there's some pretty confronting words there where Jesus said that if we want to be first, then whoever wants to be first must become last of all and servant of all. But we have no better role model than our Lord himself. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, became the servant of all. He served even unto death. Lord, we praise you. Lord, help us to be servants in the way that you are a servant. Help us to love others like you love. And Lord, in any, in any ways that, that we have, that any ways that we think of ourselves more highly than we ought, Lord, we, we ask that you would cut that down. But by the same token, Lord, let, please never let us be a people who look upon our lowly status and, and resent those who would appear higher than us. 
Lord, give us the true heart of servanthood, which isn't a thing of resentment. It's a thing of service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.